invite you to be seated. So as Megan mentioned during the uh, children's message, the theme of the day is Jesus calling his first disciples, and he's using the words, follow me. We'll talk more about that in a second. So just to kind of recap of what's been going on since Christmas, when Jesus was born, there's a lot going on. And so what I kind of like to do is I kind of like to follow Jesus's path through the Gospels from when he was born. And so now we get to that point where Jesus's ministry is about to start. So just to recap here, I have a map up on the uh, screen for you to look at. And uh, just to show you, I know you're all going to be able to see that very detailed, very well. But anyway, so this is Jerusalem right here. Can you guys see it from over there if I show my red light right here? So this area right here is Jerusalem. Here's Bethlehem right here. So this is obviously where Jesus was born. After Jesus was born, remember, King Herod the Great uh, wanted to have him killed because he heard about him. So they went over to Egypt, which is off the screen over here. So then when it was safe to go back, Joseph, Mary, and Jesus went back. But then they went all the way back up here to Nazareth, which is where Jesus grew up. And so we don't know much about what happened during those 20-some years of Jesus' life, but he spent that time up in, in Nazareth area. And so, now we're getting to the point, last week we talked about when Jesus was baptized. So Jesus is all the way back down here now, and the Jordan River is right in between here, where he got baptized. And after he was baptized, he's led by the Spirit into the wilderness in this area, where he was tempted by Satan. And then after that, he's all the way back up here. Now, just to give you some context, when we were over in Israel this last spring, from Jerusalem up to Galilee, where Jesus lived, was about a, almost a three-hour car ride. That's a lot of walking that Jesus does, isn't it? Back and forth, back and forth all the time. But this is where now Capernaum is the name of the city up on the northern shores here you can't you can barely see it but this little sea right here is the sea of galilee and right up here is capernaum and that's where jesus had his headquarters so to speak where his ministry would be centered and this is where he came and it just it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense so this is a, a town a fishing town and it's a town that would have been looked down upon by the jews in Israel, because there's a lot of Gentiles that have lived there over the, the past centuries. And so this area has been influenced by a lot of the Gentile pagan religions and things like that. So the Jews didn't look highly upon this area. But this is exactly where Jesus' ministry began, here in Capernaum. So why Capernaum? Well, let's go to scripture here. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 12. Now, when he heard that John had been arrested, John the Baptist, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea, in the territory of Zebulon and Naphtali, 
so that what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulon and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region in shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. So remember, Isaiah is prophesying roughly 700 and some years before Jesus now is going to be in Capernaum in this exact area that Isaiah prophesied Jesus would be, where the light would come. Because you see, this area has been living in darkness because this area back in Isaiah's time had been ravaged by the Assyrian Empire so they definitely have seen their share of darkness in this area of the country up there on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And so Isaiah is prophesying that this darkness isn't going to last forever because there's a light coming. So, of course, Isaiah's prophecy was correct. So I have a question. We talked about this a couple weeks ago, but it keeps coming up and it keep, it's worth talking about time and time again to remind ourselves. Are we a people living in darkness now in the year 2023? Think about that for a second. Are we dwelling in darkness in our land like they were in Capernaum? You know, all we have to do is look at the news any given day, any given moment. You know, we literally get access to the news now 24-7, literally. And all you have to do is look at the news to realize that we indeed are people living in a land of darkness. Am I right? Just one example, that just something just recently happened in the country of Nigeria. A Catholic priest was burned to death in his church. Yes, Christians are being killed for being Christians in the year 2023. We indeed are people living in a land of darkness. And so like I mentioned during the Confession Absolution time, we talked about this light a couple weeks ago. Remember how I said in the month of December we only had one day of sunshine? I got that from Wayne.com. I'm not making that up. And three days were partly cloudy. And 27 days were all cloudy. The importance of light. Which is why that Isaiah prophesied that there's going to be a light that comes. That's going to break up this darkness. And so the fact that scripture talks so much to us about light and darkness. Because it comes up time and time again. Especially in the book of John. He talks a lot about the light and the dark. It's something we should pay attention to anytime it pops up in Scripture. And to remind ourselves how important the light is, because unfortunately, where there is darkness, there is death. And I have it on your sheets in parentheses. The death rate of sinners is still at 100%. And that's not going to change. And this is always the bad news that we get to talk about, right? Because of our sin, there will be death. Because of the sin in this world, there's going to be darkness and evil. 
But, and you know I like to say this, there's always a big but coming, which is the case here, of course. So let's go on here in Matthew chapter 4, verses 17 through 22. From that time, Jesus began to preach, saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And while walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed Jesus. And going on from there, he saw two more brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately, they left the boat and their father and followed Jesus. So this is now signifying to us that Jesus is now on the scene and he's about to do some ministry. And oh, what an amazing ministry it's going to be. So there's three things that jump out to me in these verses that I just read, 17 through 22, I just wanted to touch on here. The first one is when Jesus says, his first words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Another way to translate that would be the reign of God or the kingdom of God. Same thing is what that means. And so here, repent means to move from sin and unbelief to repentant faith and salvation. And of course, this is accomplished by hearing the word. And remember, who is the word? Jesus. Remember last week, the answer to all my questions is Jesus. Well, usually. But the kingdom of God is now here because Jesus is starting his ministry And he's bringing salvation, is what I have on your sheet. The second thing is when he says the words, follow me. This is interesting because this is in sharp contrast to help understand this a little bit more, the context of that time, rabbis, which is what Jesus was called, which means a teacher, would, there was all kinds of rabbis around, Jewish rabbis, and people, men, would choose which rabbi they wanted to follow. That's how it worked. That's how these rabbis had disciples. Remember, John the Baptist had disciples. They chose to go and follow John the Baptist. That's not the case with Jesus. He flips everything on its head. Jesus is the one doing the calling. And so make no mistake about it. Jesus is the one that calls you and me to be his disciples. It's not the other way around. He's the one driving the boat. Which leads to the third thing that jumps out to me, this this seemingly throwaway line here at the end in verse 22, they left the boat. Now, this jumped at me because of something, I found this interesting because in the traditional church, you know, obviously we're here in a gym, but it's still the same in the gym. And in any church, especially those traditional churches, in the area where y'all are sitting and where we worship and where we stand and sit is called the nave. I'm sure you've heard this before, the nave. It's from a Latin word 
which means boat. So you can think about it, when you go to church, you're kind of coming to a boat where we are safe. We, were, we are together, worshiping God together from the boat, from the nave. And so that's why this phrase jumped out at me. They left the boat. So like I said, this got me to thinking, you know, being a follower of Jesus, which is what I hope each and every one of you consider yourselves, we are all called disciples of Jesus. And being a disciple, a follower of Jesus is more than just being in the boat. It means sometimes we have to get out of the boat and go out to do the work that Jesus would have us do. There's more to being a disciple of Jesus than just coming here on Sunday morning. But make no mistake about it, coming to church is important. This is where we hear his word. We are fed with his body and blood in communion. We hear the word. We are reminded of the forgiveness that we have because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. All of that's very important. We get to gather together with our brothers and sisters who encourage us in our faith, and it's a place we grow together. But there's more to it than just being in the boat. He's called each and every one of us to go, to leave the boat, to shine the light of Jesus to wherever we go in this world, which leads us to these last couple verses here. Verses 23 through 25. And Jesus went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom. And healing every disease and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria. And they brought him all the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains. Those oppressed by demons, those having seizures and paralytics. And he healed them. And great crowds followed Jesus from Galilee and the Decapolis. And from Jerusalem and Judea. And from beyond the Jordan. So that map I showed you before. Crowds of people are hearing about what Jesus is doing and they're coming. Now remember, this is before social media. His fame was spreading pretty fast. And people wanted to go see what this was all about. And so Jesus' ministry here in this world consisted of three things. And I have it on your sheet. Teaching, proclaiming, and healing. And that's what Jesus would be busy with for the next three years as he prepares to go to the cross for each and every one of us. See, another interesting thing here in the Gospel of Matthew is he uses the word crowds intentionally a lot in his gospel as you read through the book of Matthew you'll notice crowds and Matthew's doing this intentionally because he wants to differentiate the crowds from the disciples because all these people that had heard about Jesus and all these cool things he was doing were part of the crowd and they were following but that doesn't mean those people were necessarily disciples or even believers for that matter they just wanted 
to see what was going on and to see the cool stuff. These crowds. Let's not just be one of those people in the crowd where we just kind of follow Jesus when something good is happening or something cool is happening, but to be a disciple. You know, when Jesus said, the kingdom of God or the reign of God is at hand, he didn't just mean then in the year around 27 AD. But from that point on, when Jesus steps on the scene, the reign of God is now at hand and it continues now in the year 2023. And we talked about the lamb last week. The lamb is already reigning on the throne. And we can take comfort in this great news because there's a lot of hurting. A lot of us are hurting, struggling in this dark world. But be reminded of the light that Jesus has brought into this world, into this dark world. And he has delivered us from this darkness. He took each and every one of our sins to the cross and shed his blood in a horrific way for each and every one of us because he loves us that much. Isn't that something to be happy about and to want to get out of the boat and to go out and shine that light to those around us? Is it? <laughs> yes, it is indeed. Will you please pray with me?